Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you? Good morning, Russell, on this fine fall day. I don't know if it's really fall. It's going to be like 75. But, yeah, yeah you, know, you can think that. Compared to what it's been, it feels like fall out here this morning, at least. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It does. And it always feels like fall, even in the summer in Buffalo. Mike, good morning. <laughs> uh, good, good morning, Russell. But uh, yesterday, it's, of course, you know, the, the the dilemma that we always have when we're going to cold hockey arenas is to, you know, what to wear there and then what to be able to wear inside. And I wore a long sleeve, you know, sort of light sweater, and it was 90 degrees in Toronto. So, and then the, the, the train coming back from Toronto to Burlington was a complete sweat box overpacked oh. with Blue Jays and, and, uh, and uh, Leafs fans. So it was a wonderful evening. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, had, you had warmer temps than we did here. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about some camp action. And, uh, and it's funny, I did a, uh, another show recently, and I was talking about the Flyers, and I said, you know, I would start looking at Alex Lyon to be a real backup solution because Michael Neuverth always gets hurt, and now they're mm-hmm. both hurt. Yes, welcome to uh, you know the the the, old, the age old discussion in Philadelphia as in uh, how the goalie tur- you know like like as the world turns yeah. as the Philadelphia Flyers goalies turn or injure themselves apparently um, yeah the Flyers are in a very interesting conundrum right now they they lose Alex Lyon for uh, for about four weeks on a lower body injury um, still not quite sure what it might be but then yesterday obviously in practice uh, Michael Neuverth. I uh, was continuously trying to stretch himself out, and apparently he came off the ice talking to uh, Jim McCrossin and the goaltending coach, and was pretty frustrated. And now it becomes we're going to no for, no details as of just yet, but yeah, now the Flyers are in an interesting uh, in an interesting state, um, especially with Brian Elliott having what I would probably describe so far as a, a kind of a subpar pre uh, you know camp of preseason so far. Um, he needs to kind of get things back together for him. And now all of a sudden the Flyers are sort of looking at either an Anthony Stellars or potentially uh, the goalie in waiting, Carter Hart here, potentially to start the season unless they decide to pick up a goaltender off of uh, off of waivers potentially or make a move for a goaltender. But, yeah, the Flyers, who've had a fairly solid preseason, I'd say, so far, um, that's going to be – they're they, they in a very interesting spot here. Um, considering uh, where they're at right now and how goaltending could be the big difference between them being an upper echelon Eastern Conference team or uh, being a team that, once again, is scrapping just to try to get in. Yeah, I think they're going to pick can up I, a – uh... go ahead, Mike. I was like, can I whisper a name? Steve Mason? I'm going to be – I go there. No, 
No, I don't think I think that ship, at least for the current administration, has passed. And that's yeah, uh, I, one of the names that initially popped in my head as uh, an, um, amongst immediate reaction was maybe Mace, but knowing that there's just where I think they're just at a point where the organization is not going to necessarily going to go down that road this time around. I agree, uh, but I will give you a name of somebody who's a UFA who's very familiar with the area, Michael Layton. I could see them reaching out and getting him for a month. What's his current contract? Is he still listed as he's a, a UFA at the moment? Yep. Okay, so that's eh, possible. They have. They, they, I, I could see that. Although I, you know, that would be literally just an. If they know if it's a short-term thing. Um, again, we could have potentially said Tukarsk, uh, Dustin Tukarski, but obviously the Flyers moved on from him. Yeah, uh, he's actually in that for the <laughs> for the opposition. I mean, Elliot's so, healthy, yeah. so Elliot will get. Elliot the is Elliot's the healthy. The, the key is whether it comes down to whether or not. You're going to be the Flyers are going to be willing to trust, you know, Anthony Stellars, who, uh, by all accounts, again, has been, you know, in, in preseason has been actually pretty good. Now, last night, he was a little more choppy in his play, I thought. I thought Hart definitely outplayed him in net um, last night. So, Stellars, I think, is still, he's another one you have to kind of keep an eye on because he's, he's also yeah. been injury prone as well. Would they trust going, you know, you basically saying, you know, Stoll, he's got, we, we want Hart to have a normal, if we can ha- make it make sure to happen, can he have a normal progression where he gets experience in the AHL? That's the process that they want to go through. But yeah. as Hextall said, they kind of are in a last man, the way things are going right now, they feel like they're going into a, quote, last man standing situation here. And I think some of that is also, again, the fact that may be a case where they're kind of going forward and saying they, they're acknowledging the fact, I think, that, that Elliot has been not great in practice and that he needs to get, he also needs to get things together as well. Um, or else again, this is going to make for an interesting situation for them. I think that's a tweet for well, Elliot. I, 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 I do. To... Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Sorry, Russ. I, I, you know, the thing is, it's like, I have to place a little blame on Hextall here because we're right back where, you know, we were in terms of the flyers and their goaltending situation at the end of the year last year with, you know, you know hodgepodge, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Stel- uh, not the lion, and then and then Elliot, and then Neuvert, and who you know, whoever's healthy is is pl- is playing. It's like he didn't go out and he didn't address anything. I realize that Carter Hart is the goaltender of the future, but I th- you know we were talking about stopgap solutions at the end of last year, but, and he basically basically stood pat. Yeah. And I think that's go ahead. They're still in stopgap, but the thing is, Mike, they're still kind of in stopgap right now, and I think there may have been a little bit of an idea here. I think the lot more than anything, I think the the, the lion injury kind of gu- is the thing that gums up the works much as anything because he's right. the first one to go down with injury. You're going through a rash of injuries here with two goalies being down. Uh but lion again, as we all saw in the playoffs in the in the Calder Cup playoffs last year, and in short spurts obviously with the Flyers, yeah. he's got some capabilities here. So I think they kind of had the idea yeah. that Lyon was ready, going to be ready to take his next progression, but the, the injury, I think, really kind of gums up the works. And then, again, with, with Neuwirth, it's just, as I tweeted earlier, death, taxes, Michael Neuwirth, lower body issues. It's just a guarantee, unfortunately, <laughs> in every circumstance. So, well, it's also, uh, <laughs> it's also death, taxes, and just Flyers injuries, because now we'll, we'll move on, and I think Sean Couturier will start the season, so I'm not even going to talk mm-hmm. about him but now we have to talk yep. about Shane Gostaspear, who they took out of yes, the game yesterday. And so what's going on, you know? 
So we got precautionary. Again, he was out for precautionary reasons. We still have no idea what the injury is. Anybody who was I was not on the ground. I was not in Allentown last night. Nope, uh, me neither. But nobody has any idea of what exactly it was that caused them to pull Shane Gossespierre from the game. We, of course, will. I'm sure we'll be hearing about it hopefully at some point today. But it was a very kind of a strange thing, um, and he was having a really good preseason. Like he's been, he a, Shane's been a, re, he's been an absolute force and they fought and they were ready to roll out. Obviously he and, uh, and, and Provorov again as their top pair, they were playing together. And then all of a sudden he wasn't on the ice and he was having a good game. I mean, the first shot, you know, absolute howitzer shot, you know, classic Shane Goss to spare, uh, you know, wheelhouse type shot. And then all of a sudden he's off the ice and nobody has any idea what's going on. So yeah, that's. A, I mean, that'll be a concern. That does, that also potentially accelerates things here, um, with it, depending on whatever the injury might be. I mean, you already have Sanheim down with an injury already. Um, yep. You have adding to the mix, and it's putting even. I mean, it's making wow. even even more of a likelihood that Phil Myers is going to be starting the season potentially for the Flyers here. Yeah, no question. I mean, again, this is this is what Flyers fans have gotten used to over the years, and so. Who knows? I mean, we still have time for the season, so a lot could happen between yeah. now and then for guys getting better and, and all that. You know, for all we know, even even McDonald could be ready at the opener because they said he was ahead of schedule. So we don't know. Yeah, we'll, yeah, and then we'll that's the thing there. Yeah, at least have for, for for as much criticism as Andy McDonald gets, he has been certainly last season was a steady has been a, was a steady presence presence on that blue line. Um, yeah. having and considering what their injury situation is right now with two guys potentially down, you know, you need someone to kind of calm, calm everything back there. And as much as, you know, he's got as, as much criticism as Andy McDonald has garnered over the years, he has in fact been a, been a stabilizer for the most part. He's limited in what he can do offensively for those who want him to push the puck up the ass all the time, but ask any player on that defense, what, what he means to them. And you'll know. Yeah. Now I'm going to mention something from from Ranger camp before we get to the Leafs, Mike, and that's just simply they have a new coach in David Quinn, but they seem to have an old tradition in there's not that many spots up for grabs, and and that's the thing that's sort of frustrating Ranger fans that they really are truly you know turning the page. I mean, look, Leah Sanderson and and Philip Hedl have played already, so nobody else really seems to have a beat on making the team not even a defenseman because they brought in Adam McQuaid. Now, that doesn't mean guys won't get called up during the year, Ant, but it just looks like there's very few roster spots there, and that's something that, you know, is frustrating the fan base a little bit. To me, this is very much, again, the Rangers had just have that look of a team in transition um, where they, again, you would like, if you're a Rangers fan, maybe you want to, you know, see an acceleration of that process, but Again, at, at the moment, there, as, as you stated, it doesn't seem to be that there's a ton of, you know, there's spots available. And, again, you're coming towards the end here, the end of the line here for, for Henrik Lundqvist uh, in, in a year, you know, in a few years here. And yep. are you, is it a combination of trying to at least stay competitive and, hey, if we somehow sneak into the postseason, maybe we can make a run? I don't think anybody sort of anybody has that feel. Um, certainly the Rangers – let it know late last season that they were going in a different, obviously going in a different direction in terms of where they were as an organization. So 
again, it's going to be they're in a, in a as you stated in a real real interesting conundrum here in terms of how their season's going to go. Are we are they going to finish again at the bottom of the Metro Division like they were last season? That possibility remains. I mean, it, it, again, if you're looking potentially for a future star player like a Jack Hughes, is that a possibility for New York? Is it, will they go into the you know will they go into a full tank mode this season knowing that you know the roster is not incredibly competitive? I don't know. There's a long line of teams though for that. I mean, now you could pretty much oh, put yeah. the Detroit. The Detroit Red Wings might be the leader. I I picked them for last, and that was before. Uh, this Mike Green illness that, you know, he, he has some sort of uh, bacterial issue that affected his liver. So now they don't even have Mike Green. So I can't imagine anybody being worse than Detroit. But you never know. There is still auto. Oh, trust me. There will be plenty oh, yeah. of candidates who will be willing to show their how bad they can be. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Montreal, Ottawa, Chicago, Vancouver yeah. could all give them a run for their money. Just, just on the Rangers, Russ, it's like, I mean, I, I sort of get the vibe. And I don't think they're going to be as bad because Lundqvist is a great goalie and he's going to steal points. But I sort of get that vibe that I that I got from the Leafs of the year that they they sort of not tanked well they they tanked for Matthews where they brought in guys like Brad Boys roster fillers they brought in like yeah. Curtis Glencross and uh, and training camp they brought in veteran guys to fill spots because they didn't want to bring up the Nealanders and the Hymans and the Connor Browns early and the, and the Rangers have done that they brought back Cody McLeod they brought get bring in Peter Holland they they acquired Spooner and I think Spooner's talented but I'm saying. They acquired guys who are going to fill the spaces rather than yeah. promoting guys. And I think eventually Anderson and, and Cheetah will be up with the Rangers if they don't make the team. But I think that those guys are going to get a lot more ice time. And, and Matt Bolesky is like another one. If he makes the team, it's they're roster fillers. They're just killing time until their young guys are ready to step up. Yeah, no question. All right, so let's, let's switch to the Leafs and talk about yeah. – one that's not there, William Nylander. Have you seen him? Have you seen any Instagram photos, anything? Well, there was, there was a Nylander sighting at the newly named Scotiabank Arena last night, but I got everybody too excited because it was Alex Nylander. He was in the Sabres <laughs> jersey. Um, now, William, you know, um, no, he's, he's not around, and, uh, you know, a, Everybody's saying the right things in terms of well, he wants to be there. You know, Austin Matthews wants him to be there. You know, Kyle Dubas is saying as as soon as possible they want to get him. But it, this is a stalemate, and there's not going to be a capitulation from Kyle Dubas because of the ramifications that will occur if he does bend or break to Nealander because Marner and Matthews are soon to follow on new deals next summer. So he really can't. I think there I think it's going to, you know, it's going to be a deal in the, in the sort of Sean Monahan, Ehlers, maybe Pasternak range. And if uh, Lewis Gross, his agent and, and Michael Nealander, his father are adamant about him making over $7 million on a long-term deal, he's going to sit. They're not. They're not. They're. They're prepared, according to Elliot Friedman, and I think. That, and I. I think this is the truth based on what depth they have on the wings. They're prepared to go into the season without William Nealander, and I think they can actually do it for a, a long, a good chunk because they do have enough depth on the wings. And anything to add? I mean, Mike pretty much you know nailed it. And the other consideration that over the long term is if you know this is going to get protracted. 
Nylander then obviously potentially becomes a, and I know obviously what Dubas has said in regards to trying to get, you know, making sure that everybody returns. Well, realistically, again, if if there's right. if, if if they're if his camp's going to stick to their guns, at a certain point, Dubas has to, has to start, you know, entertaining the possibility that he may be he may have to trade him. And the fact is, they do have, I think, need as good as their forward depth is, as Mike indicated. Their blue line could definitely use a bit of sprucing up here, and if they could potentially use him as a as part of a potential deal to acquire a defenseman that really can kind of solidify Toronto as a stand, you know, you know, potentially for a Stanley Cup run within the next year or two. Well, that's he may be the key in that regard in my mind uh, going forward. And again, it's been it's it's kind of interesting again with Nylander. I mean, especially after we saw his father's career as well. Um, you know, Michael, <laughs> the, uh, you know, notoriously difficult in negotiations and it's obviously in this circumstance, it's going to be no different, obviously with his son. Um, these are the hard calls that again, a young general manager like Kyle Dubas has to basically uh, take a look at here. And, and, you know, as much as he wants to make a promise that he, he's going to get everybody in tow uh, all together as a group, He's going to need to have some level of give from Nylander here, and there's, as Mike has indicated, there has been no indication of that so far. And Mike, give us the name of um, and the the Leafs' latest signing, because I have no idea how to pronounce it. Oh, oh God, uh, Simeon Der Argushintev, and then that may be butchered, but that's close as close as that. That's close. Um, the, their third <laughs> oh, we, round. We had fun yeah, with the, we had fun with the draft. Remember, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but I'm I, I, forever. He will be called SDA. That's his. That's his name. Yeah. Um. I, and I made a joke yesterday when they announced the signing that SDA was signed to an ELC. So I'm just gonna use SDA until he retires. But actually, he's had a really good camp, and I know that there were some detractors of that pick <laughs> uh, when we were in Dallas, and uh, and even afterward that he was he was a reach. Um. I've heard uh, I've heard talk of uh, some. You know, people who were formerly in uh, Leaf management that wouldn't have made that pick, but and I, I can't verify that. But all I can say, all I can <laughs> say is that uh, you know he's he's, pretty, he's looked pretty, he's looked pretty good, and uh, that uh, you know he you know he's he was the youngest player in the draft, and he's going to go back to Peterborough. But they're 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 enthused about how he's how he has played. Now let, let me just quickly go back to to the the Nealander situation. I I just think that right now where it stands and now to, to, to illustrate uh, Anthony's point, I think one of the reasons why they want to get him on a friendly deal. I mean, they, I think they realize that every time you negotiate a contract with, with Nealander, it's going to be a protracted, painful thing. That's why they want to get a long-term deal done. If they want to keep him long-term, then they just want, don't want to deal with, with the, agony of trying to get him on a contract if it ends up being a bridge deal i think that is an entree to eventually him being traded because of the big four if it's Tavares, matthews marner and nylander nylander is clearly the least important of the big four and that's not saying he's not a good player because he is a very good player but if you're going to trade one of them off because of salary reasons it's william nylander so i think eventually that's going to happen but Right now, the most important thing is to get them locked up on a long-term deal. Yeah, I agree. With the other thing I would I think. Sorry, the I'll one other point I'd add to it as well. I'm sorry, Russ, you first. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say I do think he's he's going to be the odd man out. And actually, I think 
if he doesn't show up after a couple more games, he's not going to start the season. There's no way Babcock's going to let him walk in like one preseason game left and start the season. So that's going to be another issue. Go ahead. Now, for me, again, I have also to look at this with Nylander as, as, as much as I'm sure he wants to be, you know, playing with the Maple Leafs. I do also have to kind of have in the back of my mind, knowing as the priority order that Mike just indicated, whether or not over the long term here that Nylander may look at this situation in Toronto and say, hey, if I want to be sort of a, a bigger influencer on, on, a, on a team and I don't necessarily just want to be a depth player but a feature player, that may happen with a different team where he'll be the one or two option versus being potentially, you know, you know, lower and, you know, lower in the mix in Toronto. It all depends on what Williams ultimate ambitions are here. I think over for the long term of his career. And I think all players, you know, if they have an outstanding skill set, want to be, have, have the opportunity to be the guy. It just, it comes down to, again, not necessarily knowing William probably as closely as Mike will in this case, in terms of, you know, his exposure to him. I do have to kind of keep that in the back of my head, at least from an outside perspective. All right, so now switching and, and gears. Has no... Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. No, oh, I was, was going to say, he, he has no ability. I'll, I'll, I'll say quick. He has no ability to uh, get a, a no mover or no trade on the set, on his second contract. So Anthony is right. If he takes a, if he takes the hometown discount to stay in Toronto, there's no guarantee that two years down the road the Leafs are going to trade him someplace else for the defenseman that they need, and there's no way for him to stop it. So maybe they think the only job security or the security of being able to stay in Toronto is to get as much money as he possibly can, but Dubas can't do that. So I think right now you're at a, you're at a stalemate, you're at a staring contest, and it's going to be whoever blinks first, and I, I think it's going to be Nealander, but it's, it may take a while. Yeah, I think it'll take a little while. Okay, so we switch off to that, and I'll talk about the Max Domi situation. You know, now that we've Hmm. seen the sucker punch, seen the lousy suspension that doesn't even cost him any money, and Aaron Eckblad's not happy, and he actually said there'll be payback for all these people that are questioning his manhood. Like, he didn't expect that to happen. And I've seen Eckblad fight. You really don't want to be on the end of an Eckblad punch, but... The idea is he probably doesn't want to fight much anymore based on his concussion history. I just don't understand what Max Domi did there. I don't care either, and I've personally spoken to him a bunch of times, like him. I don't care because at this point, his last name's still Domi, and he acted like a Domi. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, exactly. In this circumstance, I mean, we got all the sidebar pictures of the, or, or video of his father's sucker punching old Samuelson and from years ago. And obviously we get the similar situation here with, uh, with Ekblad go figure. Both guys were wearing number five in, in both yeah. circumstances, <laughs> just a just an interesting coincidence there. But, um, again, Max, again, it, he had as skill, you know, he has, I think certainly an ability and skill set that's above what his father's was, but he's still, has his father's te- is obviously you know very obvious that he has his father's temper now that can work to his advantage in leaving space and giving him space on the ice not just with the surname but the fact that he you know is willing to uh, to go at it with a crap of other players but in this circumstance it just it made zero sense to do what he did in terms of that if you want to engage that's fine but you have to be there was no indication that Ekblad had any interest in dropping the gloves. So if you're doing that, you got to disengage, especially if you're now going to be a guy who's going to be one of the top players on on on, on the team. Apparently, you know, his father was you know a fourth line fighter. 
Max right. is expected to have a lot more higher level of responsibility in this circumstance. And he gave into he gave into it to an impulse here that he cannot afford to give into primal urges. Valuable at this point, he can't he can't give in the primal urges in this circumstance. Sure, he doesn't. And again, it was I thought it was ridiculous the, the suspension, uh, the fact that it was you know that there's no money lost in this. Well, he lost the rest of the preseason, so it's going to be more difficult for him to adapt to the new position. You it doesn't register unless you hit them in the wallet. That's how it works. At the end of the day, it's not just lost ice time. It's also hitting him in the wallet. This is not something in a league where you're saying that you want to pay close attention to, you know, head injuries and things of that sort. He sucker punched him in the face completely, you know, on, uh, you know, dr- dropping him to the ice in this circumstance, as we all saw. And you don't, and he, and he, he loses nothing as a result. It's, it, it makes it, the league looks ridiculous in this circumstance. Absolutely ridiculous. Mike. Well, I have to say the the, the one difference between the old Samuelson uh, incident with Ty Domi and uh, what happened with Ekblad is that after uh, Ty laid out Samuelson, I think he got calls from half the league congratulating him, thanking him. That's um, true. Now, we all know Elf's reputation. A lot of, and, yeah. and honestly, I think a lot of fans were too. It was years and years of Ulf's being just, you know, an absolute pain in the rear end on the ice, dirty player. So when he got dropped, I mean, I, I think I, we all kind of felt that way in this circumstance. But, yeah, it wasn't uh, now, it was different. I, now that being that being said, I the, I heard the an explanation that I actually buy into that I think is was probably the mindset of Max Domi because we had heard earlier in the week that they were going to move him to center and move move Duran back to the wing, and that was Dave that was the which actually the anniversary of it's today I believe it was, it's, it was five years ago was the David Clarkson jumping off the bench and uh, coming to Phil Kessel's defense with John Scott was that mm-hmm. you know I had heard basically David Clarkson was his explanation was and uh that that you know he he signed the big contract with Toronto and that he wanted to show that he would st- he was sticking up for his teammates and of course the wrong impulse the wrong urge he gets suspended for 10 games and then basically his career with the Leafs was started off on a bad note and continued on that until he was traded for Nathan Horton with Domi I think he's trying to make you know, okay, I'm going to be the number one center. I want to show that I'm, you know, up for this. I'm going to do do this. I'm going to do that. And he gave in to a stupid urge. I mean, to to, you know, to get in the kitchen of Aaron Eckblad. And I'm like, I don't blame Eckblad for not wanting to fight. He's got concussion history, and you know, he's a very important piece of the Florida Panthers. And why would you want to fight Max Domi? But Domi was intent on getting him into a battle and. You know, and it ended up where it ended up. I think the suspension is ridiculous. I think it should be at least a couple regular season games, and not just preseason, because he does he he takes no monetary penalties for this. And really, I mean, you know, what what negative repercussions is there? He he can practice, he can do anything. He just doesn't get to play in games that are meaningless. So big deal. Yep, no doubt. Um, just some other side stuff. So. I don't know if anybody's been watching the games from China. I, I'll admit I haven't. And I think part of the reason is, and I guess, look, people in China will be thrilled, right? But if you look at the the roster of players, it's awful. Like, this is a Bruins roster. The goalies are Zay McIntyre and Daniel Vladar. Then you've got 
Lee Stepniak in there. You got Daniel Winnick in there. Peter Hellerick, Danton Heinen. Like, you know, yes, Krejci's there. Mark McNeil. Like, there's, I, I'm going to tell you that, and on defense, you do have Chara and, and Stephen Camper. Then you have guys like Jeremy Lawson and Axel Anderson. Good young players, but if you broke this roster down, 85% of this team won't even be playing this year. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, Russ, what is this exactly? It's a promotional tour, and the teams don't want to necessarily have their core guys in a completely different time zone. I mean, around the world practically in this circumstance for a longer period of time. But my old criticism of it was the fact that it was being done in mo- it was like a tour of multiple cities. I think yeah. that was a bit, I thought that was a bit much. You pick, you pick a city out, you do you do a game. But again, you have to remember the league is trying to make headway uh promoting the league worldwide. Um you know, in China basketball is obviously extremely popular as well. I mean, they're certainly competing for for dollar for or for um, Chinese currency for currency, I guess you could say, in this circumstance elsewhere in the world. Um, there's been enough push, I think, from the NHL offices from certain uh, individuals that they want to make sure to have some level of headway in China. But the teams also have that delicate balance. It's, I also I equate this to the same principle of during the summer um, where European soccer teams are having their, their, their teams coming over here for the International Champions Cup, where they go to different cities in this case. And if you look at the roster, everybody's like, oh, you're going to see, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo or somebody. And, and they're not coming. It's, you know, mostly, you know, that maybe one or two guys. It's the same principle. It, it's mere, all it is is mere promote. It is promotion for the league. And at the end of the day, I don't really take much out of it. Yeah, but to me, it's 21st century yeah. principle, Mike, because back in the day, like when Babe Ruth went on a barnstorming tour, Babe Ruth played. He didn't sit. Right, and those barnstorming tours were after the season, and they were all-star teams. They, you know, it was not all, it was not everything was after the season. I'm sure, I'm sure there was some stuff preseason. I'm sure it may be, but I, I know that like when they went to Japan in the thir- in the 30s, it was like it yeah, was, yeah, you know, they took that a boat after. over there, and it was it was Gehrig and Jimmy Fox and like all these all yeah. all stars that they they was there to promote the game. And I mean, I'm not against promoting the game. I I, I liked like the craft Hockeyville event that the Leafs and Senators played in in Lucan, Ontario. I mean, apparently the the ice wasn't that great, but uh, you know, it's it's one game and nobody got hurt, so that's good and. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they, it's an emerging market in China. We know that the NHL is probably going to go to the Olympics in 2022, so they want to they wanna pump up interest in hockey, and I get that. But, yeah, you're not, if you're expecting good hockey, I mean, we talked about this yesterday on the Buzzcast, Russ, the hockey in the preseason blows. It's terrible. I mean, last night, the first five minutes of the, of the game between the Leafs and the Sabres was interesting. It was 3-1. It was three, one. Um, it was wide open, it was, but it was riddled with mistakes. And then it settled into sort of a boring game and ended up 5-3. But it's, like, it's just not, it's not great hockey because you're playing a lot of guys who are not NHL-ready or NHL-capable, you know, players on AHL contracts or like Winnick and, uh, and a couple of the other guys you mentioned on PTOs. So it, it's not going to be the hockey we're going to see in a couple weeks. We just have to, like, survive this and get through it before we actually see good hockey. Nope, that makes sense. And anything else uh, to add about the preseason hockey, what you've uh, taken out of it so far? I mean, they, again, much like what Michael was just saying, it's just we, we know what this is anymore. It's just a case of 
teams are kind of, you know, with, with, it's not a case. You, you want to see sort of individual performances, how certain players look after a long summer. Um, in terms of system hockey and thinking you're going to be getting what you're going to get in the regular season uh, from jumping a few weeks, it, I always say is unrealistic. They're just trying things out, trying different lines. There's no chemistry yet. There's no sort of, you know, familiarity where players are going to know exactly where other players are going to go. Some guys might click together quickly. In other cases, uh, it's going to take a little while. But that's the whole purpose of preseason in the first place. I think we have to get to a point where we understand that if you're coming in expecting sharp, crisp hockey right out from the get-go after, after, after the summer, it's just not realistic in this case. Teams are trying things out. Coaches are trying things out. Uh, and players are trying to, you know, young players are trying to get a foothold potentially with an organization. Say like, a, like for the Flyers, uh, recently signing Yegor's defense and Yegor Zamula. Uh, to 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 a, to, a, to an entry level deal. That's what preseason's for. For maybe some young players to get an opportunity to earn a contract uh, where they may not have, uh, you know, may not have if they weren't drafted. So that's really kind of the essence of preseason to me. Okay. Uh, one last thing to add. I see that Babe Ruth did play in an exhibition game before the season began. Crushed a homer in Newark. So Babe Ruth did play in some games. But anyhow, that's that's that. I'm going to get did off, he hit it off for Roy Hobbs. It didn't say if he hit it off a of Roy Hob. Uh, <laughs> it, just, it was the longest nice. shot ever made at Rupert Stadium. So go ahead and look it up. And this is when he was an older player, too. So uh, that's it. That's it for yep. uh, Off the Post. And we will, we will be back on our normal scheduled time on Fridays at uh, 10 o'clock, starting next, uh, next Friday night, uh, the 28th. And we'll be, you know, if there's any changes with regards to that during the season, we'll let everybody know. We will let everybody know. As of now, it's a go. That's it for Off the Post. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.